going to take time today and I want to really just talk about for God so loved. And we're going to talk about the Christmas story. This is very misunderstood in many respects. So we're just going to take off today. You know, it says in, the, in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the key in this verse is whoever would believe on him. This is a big statement. See, we live in a, in a society where, well, you know, I believe it's sunny out today, and I, you know, I believe this or I believe that, but that is not what the Greek word believe means. The word believe here, that whosoever would believe in him, it has, it's dripping with intimacy. It means that I have experienced him and that I believe so strongly that he is the Lord of all, that I am willing to commit my whole life in every area of my life to him. And that's how you're born again. That's how you're born into the family of God. It says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's real interesting when you look at this scripture, because Jesus' life, this baby in a manger, his life did not start in a manger. He was not born like us. We were born out of humanity. He was actually born into humanity, right? He existed always. He is God. It's amazing. So, so and, and really, as you get into what the New Testament says, it's amazing. Jesus Christ's life has impacted all of us in a powerful way. If you're sitting here today or if you're watching online and you don't know this Savior, then what will be happening to you during this service? The mighty Holy Spirit who is God. He will be stirring you to give your life to him. And he'll be revealing Jesus. For those of us that know him, I believe it's going to go deeper for us as we look at the Christmas story. Jesus and the Word became flesh. Verse 14. The Word became flesh. It, it, it literally, it says in the King James Version, was made. But literally, you have to understand what's happening here. God, Jesus, took upon himself, seized hold of, and took upon himself flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. This word glory means his, we beheld his goodness, we beheld his power, we beheld his presence. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of, clo- full of, full of truth. We call this the incarnation. What does that mean? It means that God, to be legally in the earth, to come here as the Lamb of God, to redeem you and I, He had to be clothed in 
his outward clothing, he had to be clothed in flesh. So in other words, Jesus was a divine human being. So let's look at what Philippians says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. These verses describe the incarnation, in my opinion, so thoroughly that before we get into the Christmas story, you need to understand what the Word of God says. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, talking about Jesus, it says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. This Greek word form, it literally means an outward form. In other words, Jesus, as the, as the God of all creation, the creator of all things, he was in the outward form of God. He wasn't a type of God, he was God. Right? So you got to look at this. So here's this eternal God whose outward form is he's God. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was in the form, outward form of God. That's what, that's what this verse is saying. It meant that he possessed all the attributes of God. All the splendor, all the power, right? All the glory, all of it he possessed. This is something that we'll get into, but do you realize because of the glory, the splendor, the power of God that he was, his outward form, the angels could not look upon him. People don't realize that. It'll say the angels, Gabriel, I'm in his presence. Yeah, but you, you're not looking at him. You're, you're not seeing his face. Too much glory. Too much splendor. Too much power. Human flesh, he couldn't dwell with human flesh. Human flesh could not live in his presence because of his godly attributes, the glory, the splendor, the power. So this is Jesus. Verse 7. But then this Jesus, the commander of the hosts and armies of heaven, the creator of all things, he made himself of no reputation. Now follow me in this. This word reputation in the Greek means he emptied himself of these godly attributes. This outward form of who he was could not dwell. So here he is. He loves his creation. He wants to dwell with them. But, he, but his outward form, too much glory, too much splendor, too much power. So this is what he did. He emptied himself. He shed. He shed this outward form. He made himself of no reputation and took upon. That means he grabbed, that Greek word means he grabbed a hold of. He took it to himself. He grasped, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. In other words, God did something to change his form. He had to shed his godly outward form 
and then change and take upon himself flesh. That's what God did for you. This is a lot more than a baby laying in a manger. It's a lot more than Santa Claus coming down a chimney. Do, do you see that? This is, this is amazing. The angels, boy, as we get into this story, you're going to see it says in 1 Timothy that they saw him. They had never seen the face of God before. They didn't see that until they saw that baby laying in a manger. Took upon himself a, the form of a servant. This word servant is really interesting because it completely lays out and defines who Jesus was and who we are to be. Servant. This Greek word means one who does the bidding of his owner. One whose principal task is to fulfill the desires of the master, to help, to assist, to fulfill the master's wants and the master's desires. It's his whole life. This servant's existence was to service his master in whatever the master asked or demanded. It pictures a person who is completely swallowed up in the will of another. That's, who G, that's what he did. Took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. Hallelujah. Because it was impossible for man to see God, he removed his outward splendor, his outward power, his outward glory. That flesh could not endure. God, in other words, he reached into the physical world that he created. He seized hold of it and took it upon himself so that he could come be with us. That's why Emmanuel is not just God with us. That wouldn't work. No, no. God with us in a new way. He had to change his form. He had to, he had to shed his glory and then... He had to put on flesh. That's amazing when you look at it. God literally changed his form. To do this, he had to shed his former attributes. Are you getting that? Have I said that enough yet? He reclothed himself in a new form. Wow, it's amazing. Verse 8 And being found in fashion as a man. Being found in fashion. This Greek word fashion is interesting. Because this Greek word gives you a picture of a king that so wants to be with his people, but in all of his kingly garments and everything, he couldn't go out in public because it's just, it just there'd be no contact. People would, they'd be mobbing, they would be, standing in awe he couldn't really relate to them so but he loved his this is the greek word he loved his people so much that he just wanted to be with them so he came up with a plan that he would take off all of his kingly garments and he would put on the garments of just like a normal person in his kingdom and then go out so that he could walk and be with them touch them and they could touch him that's what this word fashion means 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. That means he, he literally bowed to the lowest level. So in other words, God, Jesus Christ, God, went from the highest position in all of the universe to the lowest position that he could possibly go. He humbled himself and became obedient. He came, became obedient to death, or unto death. He literally, this word obedient means to be under command, to be under the authority of the Father. It means to listen to the Father and do whatever he said. He became, and, and this, is, this is really interesting because it says unto death, and then it goes even the death of the cross. That word even literally in the Greek is like, this is the way it would be. And Jesus became obedient unto death. Wow. Even the death of the worst possible way to die. The humiliation of the cross. It's amazing, this story. Verse 9. Wherefore, that word wherefore in the Greek, it would mean, so on account of all of this that Jesus did, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. God gave him a name above every name so that every, every name would have to bow to him. Every name. You know, cancer has a name. Poverty and lack has a name. But every name must bow. Right? Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, this is amazing, every knee should bow. This word bow is really interesting. Every knee should bow. This, this Greek word bow means to bend the knee in honor and respect. Now get this. There are people in this world that mock God, that are atheists, that will mock, mock the Bible, will spit in the face of all of this. Do you know every human being this word says every human being will come and, and literally they will come to a time in their life. Many will do it in hell. And they will, not because they're made, no, 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 because of the greatness of his name, will literally bow their knee in honor and respect for who he is. That's why everyone's going to bow. The one who hates God with everything within them will bow someday. And that's why we're here. Those of us who have already bowed. As a matter of fact, we live our life bowing in reverence and honor of who he is as our Lord. 
but every knee will bow. Think about that when you're witnessing to somebody and they want nothing to do with God. Let it burn in your heart for them. Oh man, they're going to bow someday. I don't want them to bow separated from him. And it says, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, look at this, of things, and this Greek word literally would be translated of things or beings. That means every demon, every principality, every power, Satan himself will look and, and, and at one point will bow his knee in honor and respect and reverence of God. Isn't that amazing? Of things or beings in heaven and things or beings in earth and things or beings under the earth. Jesus is above Now remember, guess where you are? You're in him. Jesus is above. Jesus conquers. Jesus changes everything. Verse 11. Hope this maybe maybe opens up this scripture to you a little bit. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means everything or being in heaven, everything or being in the earth, everything or being under the earth, when they bow their knee in honor and respect of Jesus, they will confess with their tongue, Jesus, you are Lord. Everybody's going to do it. So that's why we're here. To show them Jesus so they do it now like us and get free. This is massive, massive. Hallelujah. Well, I think we're ready. You ready for the Christmas story? That's the incarnation. That's what happened. Luke chapter 1, let's jump over here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, And the virgin's name was Mary. Twice in verse 27, Mary is called the virgin. Two times in one verse. I think God's wanting you to know she was a virgin. That means this is an individual that has had no sexual, is sexually pure, has never had sexual sexual intercourse or any sexual thing. Right? Mary was probably... When Gabriel appeared to her, probably 13 to 14 years old. And she was already espoused to Joseph. Okay? They took, they took marriage very seriously. Nobody rushed into marriage, right? If Jeanette and I were growing up in Nazareth, we couldn't have done, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm on my knee putting a ring on her finger 12 days after our first date, right? When we got married, she forgot my name. She literally, I came home, I'm like, hey, sweetie. She's like, I'm like, Tony. She's like, yeah. I'm like, that's okay. 
you're my wife, that's all I care about, right? <laughs> now I gotta tell on myself too, so before we got married, we were at a Christmas party, you guys have heard this, we're sitting around a table with friends at our church, we're having this Christmas banquet, and I'm describing one of our dates. Now, you know, we, we didn't date very long, right? And uh, all of a sudden, Jeanette looks at me and goes, you know, um, that wasn't me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, and then I think of my, and I'm like, oh shoot. No, that was a girl I went out with one time before I met you, darn it, so. So, you know, we had a little bumps, but it's, it's, it's not like, and you know, that'll be 32 years, December 30th. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, clap for her. She's had to put up with me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, but a spouse, they would come together. This was a legal document. It was a legal binding thing. Do you know during the espousal period, which was about a year, if they wanted to end this, if they didn't want to go through with marriage, they would have had to file for divorce. That's how serious it was. So this is, she was espoused to Joseph, right? So now, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, you don't have to go there, let me just read it. It says, behold a virgin. In the Greek it would read, behold the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The rendering of that word is God with us in a new way. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this 400, or I'm sorry, 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah 7 14, it says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, Halma, the virgin, the only one ever, is basically what that Hebrew word means, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 27, again, a virgin Mary was espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28. And the angel, from verse 9 we know, right? Or verse 19 we know that that angel was Gabriel. Not just an angel, an archangel. Right? And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail Mary, or hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now think about this, you're 13 to 14 year old, years old, you're this young lady, and all of a sudden, you are seeing this angelic being, right? And he says this to you, it says in verse 29, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Wow, hail. She's like, who am I? Hail, thou art highly favored. Wouldn't that be amazing to see an angel come and say, Phineas, hail, you're highly favored. That's awesome, isn't that right? The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. 
So she was troubled at that. She ran these things through her mind. Verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. (laughs) That's the first thing an angel always says when he comes on the scene, because they're pretty intense. Right? Fear not. For thou hast found favor with God, and then it says, and behold. Now whenever you see behold in the Bible, you gotta, you got to really see the emphasis of this Greek word, right? He, it's, like, it's like Gabriel's like, yeah, you found favor, and wow, it's amazing. That's what behold means. So this angel would be like, dude, wow, or dudette, if he's talking to Mary, right? Wow, this is amazing. You are going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which means the Savior. I mean, this was to the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. He's like, I have never seen the face of God because of the glory and the splendor and the power. And Mary, um, wow, this is absolutely mind-boggling. You're going to conceive and you're going to bring forth a son. Mary, you're going to give birth to God. And it says, and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Then the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And I love this part. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, said it this way: For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. See, this shoulder, it's representative. It's the position that you carry something as a burden. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, which you could translate that, the Hero God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice henceforth even forever. The zeal, look at this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Wow. See, Jesus came to this earth to bring the government of God to earth, the government that Adam lost. Verse 34 of chapter 1 of Luke. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary wasn't in unbelief. She just, she's like, so how are you going to do this? How's this going to happen? She's wanting clarification. Right? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Wow. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God literally impregnated Mary with Jesus. 
superseded, went beyond natural, went right and put Jesus was formed in the womb of Mary. It's amazing. Now you got to get this. So why, why did the angel tell her? He explained exactly what was going to happen for a reason. Verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she's also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. In other words, this angel is literally giving her the word of God because she's got to believe it and she's got to receive it. Because if she would have said, oh, no, 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 I just don't believe that can happen, Mary wouldn't be the mother of Jesus. Does that make sense? So see how God is helping? In the same way, God will help you believe for the impossible. So he... Gabriel even starts telling her a story about Elizabeth, who was barren, who's with child now. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And look at Mary's response. When Mary said these words is when the, is when the Holy Spirit literally impregnated her with Jesus. And Jesus was formed in her at this moment when she said this. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Be it unto me. What does God says he will do for you? Heal your body, be it unto me. He'll meet all your needs, be it unto me. Right? She said, Yes, Lord. And that's when it happened. Now, so that is the story so far. So now let's jump to Luke chapter 2 in verse 1. And it came up to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus to all the world. That would be to all the known world, to all the Roman Empire. He sent out, he sent out this decree that all the world should be taxed. This Greek word means registered. In other words, they were taking a, sen a census to determine how many taxes would be or could be collected in the whole Roman Empire. Verse 2, And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Now Cyrenius served a couple different terms as governor, this happened during one of them. Verse 3. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. Verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why did he go there? See, there would have never been a reason for Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a little village, right? It was right by Nazareth. But it only had about 2,000 people in it. That's what they estimate. Just this little insignificant blip village, right? But because he was of the house of the lineage of David, he had to go there. 
to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now look at, in, now stay here, but I'm going to read Micah chapter 5, verse 2. The Old Testament prophet Micah. In Micah 5, 2, it says this, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, now, when this was prophesied by Micah, there was only a Bethlehem's Zebulun. It didn't exist. Ephrata did not exist. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose, going forth, who, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Micah prophesied this, that Jesus would be born in this Bethlehem 400 years before Jesus was born. Isn't that awesome? See, Mary's family was from a city called Sephorus, which was by Nazareth. Joseph's family was from Nazareth. Nazareth was like this little this just little kind of working village. A lot of people that lived in Nazareth would go to Sephora. Sephora was like a, a great banking city. They were very close together. And there just literally was no natural reason for either of them to ever go to Bethlehem. Had it not been for Caesar saying this, they would have never went to Bethlehem. This is what I want you to see with this. God literally move the whole known world in order why why was that census taken was it taken for caesar no nope. it was taken to get joseph and mary to bethlehem to fulfill micah chapter 2 because the word will always be fulfilled do you know god will move the whole world to get you in your place he will I mean, it's amazing that I, that, that I found Omaha, Nebraska. Do you know it wasn't because of me? I couldn't have messed this thing up. And, and you know, here's the thing. The road to get here was not really comfortable. Right? It's really funny. Do you know the road for them to go to Bethlehem would not have been comfortable? Would you like to be great with child? I've never been pregnant, never want to be. But you know, I don't think a, a pregnant lady would want to hop on a donkey and ride across rocks to go to Bethlehem. Now think about this. Bethlehem was probably 2,000 people, and the whole world has to go back to their hometown. That's your generation. So literally, Bethlehem would have been jammed with people. Right? And, and when people, when, when all the rooms that they could stay in were filled, they started looking around Bethlehem where all these caves. So all these caves would have been filled with people. Do you think Mary and Joseph were the only ones in, those cave, in that cave? No. Nope. There's probably other people in there full of animals. It's kind of hilarious that we sing the song Silent Night, which is a beautiful song, but it wasn't silent. There was nothing silent about it, right? It's amazing. Verse 6. And, it, and so it was, Luke chapter 2, verse 6, and so it was that while they were there, 
the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. So they're in this cave. Shepherds would put the baby lambs in these, cave, in these caves. They were, they were where animals were. And swaddling clothes, they would use bandages to wrap the, the newborn lamb's legs, especially. They would wrap the legs in these bandages because they were literally these lambs in this area of Bethlehem were being raised to be sacrificial lambs in the temple. So literally, you know, the baby's born and they're looking around and they have swaddling clothes. They start wrapping Jesus and they lay him in a manger. So literally, he would have looked like a little lamb, a human lamb of God, right? The firstborn, Jesus had other brothers and sisters. That might rock some people who think Mary was always a virgin, right? Give Joseph a break. I mean, come on, right? In Matthew 13, verse 55 and 56, the people said, is not this the carpenter's son, is not his mother Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, so we know there were five brothers, those four plus Jesus, and his sisters. We know if it's plural, it has to at least be two. So Jesus was at least one of seven. Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man these things? Interesting. So Jesus appears as the Lamb of God. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, these shepherds were very special because in this area of Jerusalem, they, these shepherds would have been Levitical shepherds. They would have worked in the temple. They were watching these shepherds that the angels appeared to were part of the temple. They were Levitical shepherds. They were literally raising the lambs that would be used in sacrifices in the temple. The shepherds watched the flocks at night from what was called the Tower of the Flock, as spoken of in Micah chapter 4, verse 8. And thou, O Tower of the Flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, Unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. This is prophesying that the kingdom of God is going to come right here. Right where this tower, right around where this tower is at. It's going to be, right? I've been, I've been in this cave. It's the church of the nativity, right? Some of you guys have been there, right? And, uh... They, they, they really are very sure that that's the cave. Now, it's full of all this religious stuff. But it, it's literally, if you could tear all that away, if you go to other caves, you'd see that's where they kept animals. Right? So verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. You know, the other day I heard, I heard somebody say that 
these shepherds were outcasts. No, these shepherds were not outcasts. Micah really brings it out. These shepherds would have been blown away right here. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Could you imagine? You're just watching sheep. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, again, all these angels are just going, Wow! Guys, wow! This is amazing! I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day, or unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In other words, which is the anointed Christ, the Messiah. These angels just thought they went to work that, or these shepherds thought they went to work that night. And then the angel said, and this, verse 12, and this shall be a sign to you. This, in the Greek language, it means this shall be a specific sign to you. In case my angelic presence is not enough, this is going to be a sign. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angel was saying, guys, you've been looking at sacrificial lambs your whole career, but now you're going to see the sacrificial lamb. And you're going to find him, which means, could you imagine? That word find means they had to go. They were going from, from cave to cave. Hey, is, he, is there a baby in a manger? Nope. Okay, let's go over here. Hey, is there a baby in a manger? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh. There's actually a baby wrapped in, this is him, this is the Messiah. These Levitical shepherds would have experienced that. Now when the angel said, this shall be the sign for you, it says in verse 13, right when that happened, here's the angel of the Lord in all of this standing before him, and right when he says, listen, this is going to be your sign, you're going to find the Messiah, this babe laying in a manger, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now you got to understand the word hosts. It literally means that all the angelic armies of heaven, they all came. It would have been millions of angels. And they came to honor and to salute their commander, God. And they also came in amazement to look upon the face of God for the first time. This is what's happening. This is not just some little night. Right? Wow. It says, and suddenly there was with the multitude a heavenly host praising God. They were all praising God. Do you imagine? These angels are looking and they're like, wow, he's here. He, he shed his glory and took upon himself flesh 
And now we can actually see the face of God. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Wow. I love 1 Timothy, and you guys could hold your finger in, in Luke, but if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, here is another great Christmas story, scripture. 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Here it is, the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the Spirit. That means God, this word manifest means he appeared, he became visible. He became visible. God was manifest, I'm sorry, in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. This is why Jesus said to Philip, Philip, you're asking me to see the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? It says, justified in the Spirit, and then it has this phrase, seen of angels. This is what happened that night. It was referencing that night. This word seen means to delightfully view. It gives us a picture of a scrutinizing look. Could you imagine these angels had been in the presence of God for who knows how long, and they're just like, wow, it's him. I'm actually looking in his face. And they're looking at a little baby, but they're seeing a lot more than a baby. And I pray that you see a lot more than a baby. Scene of angels. This, this Greek word means to look with the intent to examine so that they can fully view and actually experience. Do you know everything with God? They know him. They get, these angels were experiencing him in a way they had never experienced. In other words, God became visible in the flesh. See, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem was not his beginning, it was his manifestation. Verse 15 of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found. This means they were, they were they, who knows what they were doing, man, they're running. They're running from cave to cave. We have got to find this baby. And they found. And, and literally, this word found means they, they're, they're running, they're, they're with haste, and then they find. They find. It's like a eureka moment. Wow. And they're seeing Mary and Joseph and this little baby in a manger, and they're just like, oh my gosh, it's him. It's the Messiah. This is the Christmas story, isn't it? Wow, I love this. And they found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. 
Verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad saying, which was the saying which was told to them concerning the child. In other words, they told everybody what the angel had told them. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. They just weren't normal shepherds. These are Levitical shepherds. This would have went all through the temple. It would have went all the way to the high priest. It would have went everywhere in Jerusalem. Verse 19, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What this, this word pondered, it literally means Mary literally laid all these events in chronological order in her heart. Well, Luke wasn't around. How would he know this? Well, the Lord told him. Yeah, guess how he told him? It is said in church history that Luke went to Ephesus and visited Mary. And no doubt Mary gave him this whole account. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus and, so, and was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him unto the Lord. You know this Greek word present is the same word present in Romans 12, 1. Guys, I beseech you to present your body a living and holy sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable service. Mary and Joseph were very careful to do everything according to the law, and then they presented Jesus to the Father in the same way that you and I every day are to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Are you starting to see that possibly we could understand why church is so watered down? I mean, guys, we are living in a time, don't, don't be dumbed down by the world. Christians who have no desire for God, I hope they're just carnal and they're saved. I hope they just don't think they're saved and they're not. Because I'm telling you, when you know God, you're passionate. He's everything. Verse 39. Let's jump all the way to verse 39 of chapter 2. You know, in, in between you could read it. It's when they met Simeon. He prophesied Anna, prophesied all this stuff when they brought Jesus to the temple. But verse 30, 39 says this, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, this, this would have been about a 48-day period, or at least a 40-day period. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, have you noticed so far, I have not mentioned, or I should say it this way, the word has not mentioned anything about Magi. The Magi never went to Bethlehem. Okay? This is the real Christmas story, as the word of God says. Right? And I got to tell you, Magi. Okay, so, so these guys, you know, Daniel was a chief Magi. Daniel actually prophesied that, that a Messiah would be born 
and that there would be a star that would appear when, when he was born. And, and then you go fast forward years later, these magi that came to, to see Jesus, it was like two years later, he would have been two years old. These magi would have seen the star and went, oh my gosh, the greatest king in all of human history has been born, we must go see him. These magi, they had the power to put a king in place or to dethrone a king according to their word. These were the most powerful and wealthiest people. They were literally, they were Levitical priests in Midian. They were powerful men. They put kings in place. They removed a king. It is said in history that Magi came to to Rome, and when Nero heard it, Nero, the Caesar, evil, it says he trembled in fear because they're coming. Listen, why do we think there was only three? The Bible never says there was only three. Do you know know why we think there was three? Because it mentions three gifts, but you got to look at the Greek words because it says treasures. That lit- Do you know that word means cargo? Do you know when Magi came, there would have been minimum hundreds of people with them, most likely thousands. So think about that. Nazareth is little. These guys were carrying cargo. I mean, we're talking jewels, silver, vases, ceramics, garments, fabrics, elephant tusks, all these treasures. Why two years? Because these guys were going to see the greatest king who had ever been born, and they took almost two years to prepare. You think it was a little? It was a massive. But why do we think there was three? Three guys carrying three little boxes of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Do you know why that is? Because in the Middle Ages, the artist's rendering to get everything on a canvas, they just put three, and they put one. That's it. It's not Bible. It's just religion. And we take a picture that some dude who doesn't even know God, he's like, how can, they're magi, I can't paint. I mean, they're, they're, this is just insane. So we gotta break it down. And we as Christians are like, oh, you know, Joseph and Mary, they were just kind of poverty-stricken. They had nowhere to lay their head. Yeah, because they just showed up late. Right? I mean, they're coming, but listen, they're they're not hopping in their Lexus going, no, no, the wife is about to give birth. Hey, can you slow down a little, Joseph? You know, I mean, uh, do you want to have a baby right here? Could you imagine? Joseph, you know, I hate to do this to you, buddy. I know three minutes ago I just said this, but man, my bladder... Between the rocks and the baby, i got to go to the bathroom again and again. And it took them longer to get there. See, I'm hoping that you see the reality of this story. Magi. No mention of magi. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2 real quick. Boy, I'm trying to get this done. Matthew, you guys enjoying this? I, I encourage you, get this and, and, and make it yours and read the Christmas story to your family. It says now, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
behold, wow, this is amazing, there came wise men. In the Greek language, magi. They're like, wow, magi came. That's kind of amazing. From the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. See, this elite caste of Midian priests came from the east. Wow. Who is Herod? He was called Herod the Great because everything he would do would be great. It was, he was, I mean, he probably wore a shirt that said, go big or go home. <laughs> and, and, and literally, what I mean by that, if he built something, it was great. But if he did some evil stuff, it was great too. He didn't do anything halfway. This guy was so paranoid that somebody was going to steal his kingdom, he had his sons killed. It is said in history that he loved his wife, but he had her killed too because he thought that she was conspiring with his sons to take over the kingdom. This guy lived in fear of that. Right? So in history, it is said that these magi... When they came on the scene, it was something very special. So they're following this star that Daniel had prophesied. When the Messiah would be born, there would be a star that would appear. Verse 3 of Matthew chapter 2. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them. This, this word demanded literally means he literally interrogated them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, talking about Micah 5, 2, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Verse 7 of chapter 2 of Matthew. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So Herod, as evil as he was, he's like, can you tell me? What, why, what was his motivation? He wanted to find out when this baby was born because he's going to start slaughtering babies to make sure that this this. This king never gets out of the baby stage. Can you tell me when you saw the star? Right? He, Herod wanted to kill the child. Verse 8. And, and he sent them to Bethlehem. It says he sent the Magi to Bethlehem. It never ever says the Magi went to Bethlehem. Never says that. But yet we, we do that because it looks cool in a nativity set. Go and search diligently for the young child. Notice it says it didn't say go search diligently for the baby. This Greek word would be translated a toddler. Why? Because Jesus was two years old. Right? And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Oh, you liar. <laughs> right? When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, look at this, when they heard the king, they leave the king, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. Could you imagine? They start following this star, the star of Bethlehem, which just recently appeared again. 
First time in, what, almost 2,000 years. Which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Not the baby. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. See, Luke's account, did you notice, said nothing about Magi in Bethlehem. Now, who was Luke? He's a doctor. We know he was a scientist. We know he was a historian. There's no way he would have left that out. Right? But notice it's not saying baby, it's saying toddler, basically. And then here, and when they came into the nativity set, no. It says, when they came into the house, well, what house? It said earlier that they returned to Nazareth. They, when they came, when they literally came into the house, Jesus' parents' house in Nazareth, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. These most powerful men with probably thousands going with them. Their treasures were not unsafe. They would have had the best of the best army. Right? But when they saw the boy, when they saw his mom, it says they fell down. This Greek word means it's like they lost all strength and they fell on their faces. And they worshipped him. The, this literally, it, the word worship, proskuneo, it literally means they intimately, they fell towards him. They blew kisses at him. They were intently adoring him. Could you imagine? Jesus is probably like, Mom, what's up? You never do that. <laughs> right? When they had, it says, and when they had opened their treasures. Now we just read over this. But this word open means literally it describes in the Greek this incredible presentation. So what would have happened is now all the servants would have start bringing stuff in. All this stuff, jewels, fabrics, gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, all this stuff. It would have been a, they were literally, they weren't just saying here. It was a presentation that they had practiced and put together. When they had opened their treasures, this, this, this literally describes a large cargo. They presented unto him gifts, and then it says gold, which is a gift for a king. Frankincense, which is a type of intercessory prayer. In other words, that's a gift for a priest. And myrrh, myrrh was used to embalm dead bodies, prophetically signifying that he would die. For the sins of mankind. I love this. Wow. Verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now look at what happened, and you're going to start to get a picture. It says, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying... Arise. This Greek word means get your butt out of bed right now and leave right now. And take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt 
and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child again to destroy him. You know one of the reasons I know why God picked Joseph? Because Joseph, think about it, he has a house in Nazareth. He has a business. And he didn't go, hey, I wonder if that was God. Maybe, let me think about that for a while. I mean, I don't want to go to Egypt. Egypt, I have to flee? Egypt is the most expensive place to live in the known world. And, and there I won't have a work permit. I won't even be able to work. I won't be able to make money. Now, what funded? They were there for several years, moving from place to place to place, because Herod would send spies into Egypt. Right? So, so they would have to move. They couldn't work. Do you see how God provided all the finances that they needed? They would have probably stopped over at Sephora and put these large sums of money into the bank because it was a banking center, and then they would have take, took enough that they could go get their hands on, but also all these treasures literally was enough to, for them to live well for all those years until they could come back. And when they came back, they had all this money and all this stuff in the bank waiting for them when they came back. You see how... See, God, was, God sent Jesus on assignment, met all of his needs in the same way that God will meet all your needs on your assignment. So many Christians don't have their needs met because they're not on assignment. They actually are on assignment, but they're just living for themselves, so they don't know that. So when it says here, look at this, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night. So that means right after the angel told them, they got up in the middle of the night, departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt, I have called my son. I love this. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, because they went home another way, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men, then which was fulfilled, which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. Now, we think of thousands of babies, but they estimate there was probably 10 to 25 male babies that were killed because this was a small area. This was not even in the secular writings of Josephus. That's how evil Herod was. He did so many evil things that this didn't even hit the radar for Josephus. 10 to 25 babies. That's a big thing to God. Do you notice in this story that Satan never could find Jesus. They're going to Bethlehem, they're going here. Don't give Satan so much credit. Sometimes we get this thought like he knows everything. No, 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 no. No, he's not all-knowing. He couldn't even find Jesus. Right? He's no match for you in Christ. Verse 19, hang with me. 
But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah, in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. That is the Christmas story. I hope it has blessed you. This is a story about God who loves you so much. He shed his outward form as God and put on human form so that he can dwell among you so that he can show you how to how to live as a man or a woman anointed by God so that he can show you how to walk in love walk in the strength of God be led by the spirit of God he was our example and he came as the lamb of God to die the death of a crucifixion in our place he bore all of your sin he bore all sickness and disease he bore all poverty and lack he redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse and that is the christmas story i hope it is my hope that you would lay aside man we live in a time that there's so much going on and so much junk and pressures and everything I pray that you would literally lay it all aside, go before the Lord, and say, what would you have me to do? And in 2022, put him first in every arena of your life. Stop playing church if you're playing church. Get in the word. Get the word first place in your life. Walk by faith. Get over yourself. All of you that I'm talking to here or online, if you think that you're so spiritual, get over yourself because that thought means you're not. And let's just go, listen, we're just going to love each other. We're going to serve each other. We're going to let God fill us up and we're just going to go walk in the overflow in it. Not perfect, not flawless, but we're just going to adjust and repair. God loves you. He will get you in the right place even if you don't even know what's going on. I mean, he just loves you. So I hope this encourages you today. Amen? As we close this service, Pastor Edwin and his ministry team will be up here to pray for you. If you have never received Christ as your Savior, let today be your day. Come up here. They'll pray with you. They'll lead you to Christ if you need prayer in any area of your life or for, for family or anything, boy, come up here. Don't leave here without your needs being met. And I'm telling you, we're going to continue on Wednesday night. The Lord's just kind of stirring me. We're going to, this week leading up to Christmas, we're going to talk about this incredible love of God and what it does in our life. We're going to come together Christmas Eve for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes to worship. And this is a time when you could bring friends, people that don't know God. They'll hear the Christmas story. They'll, they'll, they'll be blessed by, by music and all the stuff that we do. But they can meet Jesus. 
Amen. But you guys have a great Sunday.